This episode is brought to you by Planet Broadcasting's 2018 partnership with Care Australia and Everyday Hero, supporting women and girls living in extreme poverty around the world. To donate to our campaign, visit planetbroadcasting.com or click on the link in the show notes below. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. And this is Tofop 200. 200. 200. Tofop 200. 200. 200. 200. 200. 200. 200. 200. 200. All right, that's yeah, all we, we all did, guys. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we are the deadbeat dad who on your 18th birthday turns up with something that he clearly bought at a service station. <laughs> Crossed out there Happy go, Mother's son. Day and written Happy 200th. <laughs> it's hard. Like for the 100th episode, we did a live show with John Deeks at the Comedy Store in Sydney. But it's much harder to do that at the moment because I'm in LA and you seem to be in everywhere in Australia at one time. Every time I contact you, it's a different place. Yeah. Look, I, I, even today, uh, we're doing this on a Sunday and I flew... So on Friday, I flew to Perth and I did a show Friday night and then I did two shows Saturday night and then straight after my second show, I got on a red eye and flew back here uh, to to Melbourne so um, I could do this. I, I, I feel like I have jet lag and I haven't fucking left my own country. <laughs> that red eye from Perth, I've done that a couple of times and it is like flying from another country. Like it's so, when you, there's something about it. Like it takes me two or three days to get over. Yeah. So yeah, now I've been struggling around today. All I've been doing is like, I reckon for the last 48 hours, probably for about the last four weeks, but I've particularly noticed in the last 48 hours, I eat every hour. Like, I, I, I'm what, you know when you hear sometimes about people like when Hugh Jackman was training for Wolverine, he was on like that program where he had to get up every two hours and like eat protein or whatever mm. it was. Like, that's what I'm like, yeah. except instead of protein, it's just like bread or <laughs> chips. Sugar. Yeah, sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Waking myself up in my sleep every two hours to eat some sugar or some airport pizza. That's the only way to do it. Like, it, it, like... I'm the same when I pull an all-nighter. If I'm working, riding all night or whatever, then it just becomes like a snack fest because it's the only thing that's not like an amphetamine that's going to keep you awake. It's that sugar hit. Your, the, your blood sugar just like spikes for about a half an hour and then the terrible crash. <laughs> the terrible crash where you start scrambling. Like That's when I go to the pantry and I'm like, what have I got that I can turn into sh- like sugary stumps, substance? Can I pour honey on this like flour? Can I mix that up? Can, <laughs> can I eat that? No, I know what you mean. Like you get suddenly, like I have got to the point and because I, cause I'm still not, you know, fully moved into my new house. So I don't even have the normal basics you would have to kind of whip up some sort of late night master chef style stoner meal. Like I've just been doing things like eating a spoon of Vegemite 
Mm. Like just like yeah, you know what I do. I just need some salt, so I'm just scoop like, of, go on. Scoop of peanut butter, put a drop of honey on top. Eat that. It's like the world's best lollipop. <laughs> I mean, as usual, we've just started this podcast. We're talking about eating like every fucking week. At the moment, it comes back to what have you been eating? That's what Tofop should be called now. What have you been eating? <laughs> But it's not even like we're connoisseurs. It's good food. It's always like the most basic food. Bread. <laughs> How much bread do you like? I always know when I'm most tired because it's when bread comes back into my diet, like most, you know, full on. Like it, it just seems to be one of those things yeah. my body craves if I'm feeling, you know, hungover or exhausted or whatever. I just need to eat bread. Yesterday, so the hotel I was staying at had a, a buffet breakfast, um, you know, included. Mm. And I went down and I had two pieces of uh, toast. I had two pieces of Vegemite toast, mm. like sourdough that you could slice yourself and toast. It was really nice. And then I had two pieces of raisin toast. So, like, I essentially yes. had, like, my main meal of toast and then I had some dessert toast. <laughs> dessert to toast. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like to do? With toast, and especially when I'm staying at a hotel or, or wherever there's like a buffet breakfast, it's always a bit weird. I like to cook my toast, mm. but then have it cool down oh. and then apply like the butter and Vegemite afterwards. So it doesn't like melt into the toast. So you can see the butter on top and the Vegemite on top. But it's sort of like it's that thing where, you know, because people line up for the toaster or the lounge or the hotel or whatever. And I put my toaster and then I grab my toast and then I put my toast on a plate and just sit it just to the side and let it cool. And I know people are looking at me going... What is this dude doing? Is he just like got a toast fetish? He just likes to put toast through and just like watch it cool? Well, I just would have thought you would have watched it cool at your own table. You would take it back to your own table, let it cool, and then apply the butter and Vegemite there, not let it cool in the public area when you're in everybody else's way. I never thought of that. But I just figured because they've got like, that's where the, 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 the butter and the Vegemite is and they've got the bins. Like I'll just put it, otherwise I've got to, oh, that makes sense as waiters. They can clean up for me. Right. What am I doing? Exactly. Or you could just take your rubbish back to the bin later if you want to do after you're done with it. You don't actually have to do all the preparation in that preparation area. You're, that's why the butter and the Vegemite are in little packages so that you can take them back to your paper, you to your table. Them. Here's what I do. Oh God. Uh, Charlie, which yep. is similar to what you do, but it just shows the difference in the healthiness of our lifestyles, is that um, I also like to be able to see the butter on top of the toast like you. But what yes. I do is just butter it and let the first layer of butter melt into the toast. And then I'll put another <laughs> layer of butter on the top, which is like the butter you can see. So we have the butter that's soaking the toast and then I have the layer of butter that you can see. And then I add what's next. The double layer of butter. I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this uh, uh, before, but uh, American cinemas, the extra butter you can get on the popcorn, like that big pump of just looks like crude oil. Like, I mean, I'm not even sure it is butter. But to see people... It's not butter. It can't be actual and... butter. I, I'm sure we've talked no. about this before, but I, I'm sure it's not actual butter that they're putting on that. It's just got to be some sort of horrible, you know, corn oil or some, you know, horrible... Like Sump oil. It's like the shit they suck out of liposuction and they just melt it down and put it straight back on your popcorn. It's like, it's not right. <laughs> now, it is episode 200. And so I thought I'd take a little trip down memory lane, maybe even play a bit of a game. Because um, at the moment, we have an intern working for us who's going through all the old episodes and logging the stuff that we've talked about. So I went through the first like 23 episodes. He's very, doing a great job, very detailed. Who is he? Um, well, who's this intern that we're talking about? Can we talk about it on air uh, or not? 
Yeah, yeah. Hang on, let me just... Uh, Get all the details. Bring his details. Yeah, we've got this great intern named Josh Martin, who uh, uh, Sam Cav, uh, our producer, has uh, hooked up. And he was a, a TOEFOP fan. So when uh, the prospective interns were sort of put in front of me, I was like, well, this guy, I didn't want to punish anyone doing this job. Like, I, you know, I wanted to have someone who actually has a, a, an interest in the show is good. And what's great about... That, that uh, is a Josh good is insight it. into what we think about this podcast as well, is that we actually think it would be a punish for anyone who wasn't interested in it to listen to it. <laughs> totally. But he's like definitely a fan. And the best part about the way he's been logging the episodes is he's put little double asterisks to what he reckons is a good bit. Oh, nice. So we're getting some editorial feedback. We're getting some Uber-style ratings on each podcast. It'd be good if you could go through and do that for every bit. And at the end of each episode, we could like get some you know, mathematician. We could get Adam Spencer on board. Algorithm. And get him to do the statistics. Yeah. And we could actually rank each episode based on quality of comedy. <laughs> oh, actually, that's a terrible yeah. idea. <laughs> I mean, aren't there, there are algorithms or programs right now which can like, you know, write novels and, and screenplays and stuff based on a specific algorithm if you set up a template. So potentially, if we use that star rating system, there could be an episode of TOEFOP in the future that is completely AI, like Mike Howell sets it up, something where they've gone through the most frequently talked about topics, how things are linked, and then we just let the computer, let Mike Howell take care of doing an episode, which is just like based on our most likely su uh, subject matters. Well, like it's like a, we're a right-wing opinion columnist. You know, like in Australia, there's that guy, Andrew Bolt, and he only really has four columns that he writes. He'll write about how he hates the ABC. He'll write about how he hates the Greens and the environment, and he'll write it, you know, like, and he just has these four kind of standards that he rolls through and just does some different version of those four things. And it's the same with the right-wing American sort of TV hosts and whatever. You know, you have your key talking points and you just keep going back to them. I mean, we could do that with TOEFOP. You just cut up the various, it's like, yeah. a, it's a TOEFOP random generator machine and you just, you cut them all up, you mix them together. Well, I think you would need to break TOEFOP into kind of, I guess, eras because there is an awful lot of dick talk in the first, like I've only read the first 23 episodes and I guess we were doing our version of Smodcast like it is, for example, Will, episode 13, <laughs> oh and this is time-coded, episode 13 at the 38 second mark, guy wanking in Toys R Us. <laughs> at 2 minutes 50... We asked, can Stephen Hawking have a wank? Oh, no. And this, then we propose, oh, no. <laughs> would you rather, oh, no, let's not talk oh, about no. that. In, in respect to Dr. Stephen Hawking, we'll move on. At 12 minutes 08, we say, should you chop off a genius's, genius's arm so they don't get distracted by wanking? <laughs> At I mean, 13 minutes that's 08. That's still a relevant question. <laughs> <laughs> At 13 minutes 08. We talk about how the high school boarders at my school used to boast about their wanking skills, which was true. At 15 minutes, 56 seconds, we ask, would you rather die, would you rather die from autoerotic asphyxiation or fucking a grapefruit to death? At 17 minutes and 15 seconds, we talk about our friend who wanked into a fan. I mean, that is a good story, though. Because what 19, he did was he did it, he wanted to find the speed that, <laughs> that it would. 
At 19 minutes and four seconds, we talk about how I wanked in a library once. And this is, by the way, this is all we've talked about. This is like sequentially. Oh, boy. We've gone, we're moving from topic to topic. It's all wank. I mean, this is really like uh, the classic cliche about podcasts is it's just two fucking, you know, man, white children guys. sitting in a fucking like room talking about wanking. And apparently that's exactly what it was. At 19 minutes and 57 seconds, we take a little detour to, talk, to read an article about a guy who wanked in a Walmart. <laughs> You know what I love about this so the most is, Rachel, the toys is I occasionally, yeah. not often, but you occasionally see feedback from somebody going, hey, you really used to love Tofop in the early days, but I don't like it anymore. And what that really means is they just don't think we talk about wanking enough anymore. <laughs> they, they were like, they, they're looking back on the glory years of Tofop when they, we would constantly talk about wanking for an hour on a podcast. And they're like, it's, it's lost its edge, man. <laughs> At 22 minutes, 45 seconds, we talk about wanking in a public toilet slash the Qantas lounge. Then we take a slight detour at 24 minutes, 30, where Will tells his story about when he nearly burnt down the, the, the Qantas lounge with a toaster. Uh -huh. Then at 28 minutes, 14, we're back to wanking, <laughs> wanking the Qantas lounge. And then at 30 minutes and four seconds, old school wanking material, including Charlie's boob video. <laughs> Oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, wow, what great days they've been. Imagine if, like, <laughs> you know how there's all this controversy with The Simpsons at the moment about Apu? And, um, mm. you know, uh, there was that documentary, The Problem with Apu, and it raised some pretty probably relevant issues, right? Like, when a show's been on that long, society, we've talked about, you know, society changing and comedy changing, and, you know, certainly mm. in relation to our podcast, it's been the same thing. I've been a bit disappointed, to be honest, by the response of the the Simpsons, which seems to be a bit more like, you know, there was this article that you would have missed in the Australian papers this week, but um, it was front page of the Sydney Daily Telegraph and uh, ostentatious Rodney Rude, Kevin Bloody Wilson oh, no. all came out to say that political correctness was killing comedy. And, you know, Kevin Bloody Wilson's like, the reason that I can't get on TV anymore is because of political correctness gone bad. And I was like, well... I mean, you haven't really been on TV for about 40 years, Kev. So like. <laughs> but um, that'd be like us going, well, you know, it's, it's like defending the fact that we're still doing those sort of jokes, you know, seven years on in this. Like we've moved on kind of, at least, I think, right? I think so. I mean, I think we're not, uh, we're not above a good dick joke. Oh. Like we still like to, to stray. We haven't forgotten our roots. But, you know, like... I mean, I think, Charlie, a couple of episodes, we literally did an entire thing about how when I die, you're going to make a documentary <laughs> and add dicks to every scene. So I think we've... Uh, I wouldn't say that we're, we've really progressed too far. Yeah. Uh, I thought we could try, play a little game. So um, what I've done here is I've gone through the episodes that have been logged and I've pulled out some hypotheticals. Oh, okay. And then I've gone to Reddit and found the most insane hypotheticals. And we're going to play a game called Can You Guess If This Is Tofop or Insane Reddit People. Oh, I love it. Okay. How, so how a, many do you a, have? It's a, I got 10. Okay. All right, cool. Mixed numbers. It's a bit like How Will Do You Know, Charlie? The game itself is irrelevant. <laughs> okay. First hypothetical. Would it be morally wrong to have consensual intercourse with a Pokemon? Would it be morally wrong to have consensual intercourse with a Pokemon? Well, I'm going to say, because I don't really know what a Pokemon really is. Like, uh, it's like a cartoon character. Oh, it's like 
they had that game, right? The, where you could walk yeah. around with your phone and find Pokemon. That was what Pokemon was, right? I, find them and fuck them, I believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was the original script for Liam Neeson's Taken. He goes, I'm a man <laughs> with an exceptional set of skills. I'm going to find you and I'm going to fuck you. Because I, well, you could maybe I combine. famously have the most massive dick in Hollywood and I <laughs> use that dick to fuck you. I'm Liam Neeson. Not even the character in this movie anymore. I'm just Liam Neeson and I'm going to find you and fuck you. Uh, so you're saying that's a TOEFOP conversation or a Reddit conversation? Reddit, Reddit conversation. Chiching correct. Well done, Will Anderson. I award you 20 points. Next hypothetical. Would you rather wear your scrotum on your bum or on your face? Oh, would you rather wear your scrotum on your bum or on your face? That's what it says, right? Now, so, hang on, like still with the balls in it? Like, so not just the outside layer, like the actual balls. I just think it's the skin. Right, so on your bum. Clearly you want it on your bum, not on your face. That That's too simple for a TOEFOP one. We would have cleared that up straight away. Not memorable at all. Uh, Reddit. Eh, TOEFOP. Oh! <laughs> Episode 16. I was looking at it going, what the hell were we talking about? All that, all that Josh has listed is, would you rather wear your scrotum? Oh, hang on. I've misread it. <laughs> Classic Tofol. Would you would you rather wear your scrotum or your bum on your face? Well, then that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> would you like to take that? Would you like to have another go at that? Sure. Let's go again. Yeah. Uh, would you rather? Would you rather wear your wear your scrotum or your bum on your face? Um, Oh, gee, that is, a, that is, that is actually, a, that's a good question. Now, that's a TOEFOP question. I can't remember yeah. what we said last time. I wonder if I've come, I, this will be a sign of how much I've changed, whether I come up with the same answer now as I did all the years back then or if I'm changed. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, oh, geez, where is it? So your bum on your face would be, does it split down the middle? Do you think? I don't know. I can't remember the conversation. Yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah, let's, let's say you have to have your entire bum so maybe it's like like maybe they put a cheek either side of your face and like the hole is where your mouth is sort of thing like you're speaking out of the hole i don't know do you do you need the hole as well well i mean again i don't know in this hypothetical (laughs) what's going on charlie well let's make it easier you shrink down a little bum Uh so it's like the size of a fist you either have a little bum a fist-sized bum in the middle of your head or you have a pair of balls in the middle of your head um i'm gonna go with bum yeah i think oh does it defecate though because that might be embarrassing. Well, I mean, it would Imagine be embarrassing. Imagine talking to someone and, as long as it didn't, and your bum farts as long as it didn't conversation. spontaneously defecate. Do you know what I mean? Like, as long as it just defecated in the way that the normal one defecates. I've been able to hide that from people. So I'm assuming I could hide the, the forehead one from people as well. Um, I don't want would my you wear a that, little pair of Would you wear a little pair of jocks like John McEnroe? Would you wear like a little pair of jocks on your head to cover it? Yeah, that's. Or would you just wear it out and proud? Nah, I don't think I'd wear it out and proud. No, 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 no. I would cover. <laughs> I would cover my. That's <laughs> like it'd be. I'd, I'd probably wear a big hat. You know, like I'd. I'd wear a Jamiroquai style hat. Is there any chance that Jamir, That's the reason that Jamiroquai wears those big hats. Is that he was yeah. born with a bum in the middle of his forehead? <laughs>
All I would say about the scrotum in the middle of your forehead is that your balls are really sensitive and I just think that's not a good place for, like you're just going to hit them all the time. It's, you're going to get like, yeah. the you think you get bad ice cream headaches now. Imagine your headache mm. when you whack your balls on your forehead into something. <laughs> Next hypothetical. If you were gay, would you date a guy with a bigger dick than you? Um, toe fop. Cha-ching! <laughs> Next one. Could you assist a quadriplegic with suicide and not get caught? Oh, gee. That's um, dark. Uh, could I assist them and not get caught? I mean, wow. I don't actually, I don't. Oh, that could be us. Like, I could definitely imagine us wandering into that area. Um, but I'm going to say Reddit. I'm going to go with Reddit. I'm going to say it's close to something. <laughs> oh, really? That was a tough up conversation. Episode two, we really started, like we Jesus. really set the tone. One episode in, we're like, let's bring out the, the big guns. I remember this conversation specifically because it was more about if I was a quadriplegic and I said to you, Will, I want to end it, okay. but I don't want you to go to jail for it. So we need to create a scenario in which I could conceivably, you know, have like rolled into a river or, or something like that, but I don't want you to get caught. So, Charlie, I would have got it if you'd said to me, um, did we have a discussion about whether I could kill you and get away with it? <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, yeah, of course we've had that at some stage, probably more than once. Next question. What would be the world's reaction if it literally started raining men all around the world for five minutes? Sounds too jokey for us. Sounds like a Reddit uh, conversation to me. Correct. It was a Reddit one. I, I, I agree. When I picked that one out, I'm like, oh, it's got enough of that kind of silliness in it, but maybe it's just a bit too, it's a bit too on the nose. I can imagine us stumbling onto that. Like, you know, we were talking about the, you know, the song Raining Men came up and then we might have been like, oh, man, imagine if it actually started Raining Men. And then we would have gone, nah, this is a bit hacky, even for us. <laughs> anyway, back to yeah. balls or bum on your forehead. If immortality or slow aging existed in secret, how long could you stay in one place before people started to notice? Oh, wow. If that's not a toe fop, then I'm very disappointed in us in the last 200 episodes because that's a good topic. Is that a toe fop? No. It's a Reddit question. Okay, well, let's talk about one, it right? then. In our defense, we have talked a lot. There were, we've had a lot of discussions about immortality, but yeah, okay, let's talk about it. So let's say vampire. You're a vampire, so you you know live by night, but you don't age. How long do you reckon before people start to notice? I mean, there's certain celebrities who you see and you're like, oh my god, like that person looks exactly the same as they did like you know 20 years ago. I mean, I they because we've just done uh, we're in our tenth season of Gruen. One of the things they did to promote it was they took a like a photo snapshot of me from every single episode and put them all up in a sort of montage. So there was a hundred like yeah different pictures of me, <laughs> you know, like from each episode. And the thing that I noticed when I looked at it because I feel so much older, like my body feels just so so much more broken and tired. And but like on TV, you know, once they put you in a suit and you know wax some makeup on you and whatever, I still look okay like I look remarkably yeah. similar to how I looked 10 years ago so if someone who treats themselves as badly as I am who's clearly not you know immortal undead um can do that then I reckon you could do if you're going out at night too that's extra because like at night everything's mm. dark 
you know, people are a little bit drunker or, you know, affected by drugs and alcohol. They're not paying as much attention to someone aging. And plus mm. in that environment, people will look a bit, you know, different anyway, depending on what time of the night it is and how big a night they've had. I reckon you could do 40 or 50 years. I think so. I think if you pick a career in the public eye, because you know, like when you see someone every night, just say you're a talk show host or something, you don't notice the change because you're exposed to them all the time. So in your head, even though that person may have changed, you don't really notice it because it's been so incremental. So I reckon, I mean, how, how long was Dave Letterman on air for? Like 20 years, 30 years? Oh yeah, 30 at least, I think, yeah. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon, yeah, I reckon between 30 and 50 years before you're going to move town. Yeah, I mean, if you're just going out at night, you're not on TV every day. Like, I definitely think you could, yeah. you know what you really need? I reckon it's better if you already have an older look, right? Yeah. Like people who are- So you get converted, you get, you, you get sired as a vampire when you're already like 40 plus. Right. And then, because once you're 40 plus, people just kind of go, you're old. And if you can kind of stay that same sort of look, you know, Paul Kelly could easily be a vampire. Like the Australian yeah. musician Paul Kelly could easily be a vampire because he pretty much looks pretty similar to what he's looked for the last 40 years. Yeah, that's a good point. And also like if you- if you're young and beautiful when you uh, turn into a vampire, then that's be you become, you know, that's what people remember you because you're that porcelain skinned goth that floats through the room. But if you're an old, dumpy, plain looking dude in your pajamas going down to get your mail to see if Dolph Lundgren's st stolen it or not, like you're more likely to be invisible to the casual observer. Yeah, you don't want to become a hot young vampire. You don't want to be a Robert Patterson style vampire because people are going to notice eventually that you're still at high school. But if you're like, yeah. become a vampire in your sort of mid-40s, I reckon that's your prime vampire time. Your human body's starting to really fall apart. So you've got the... Like, I mean, no point becoming a vampire when you're 20. Like, your 20s are fine even as a human. You've got some good years yeah. in you left in your 20s. Wait until your human yeah. body's starting to break down a bit. Then you sort of get your immortal life, but also you've got a look that you can sort of blend into society more. Yeah, and in your 20s, you're basically living a vampire lifestyle anyway. Like Thursday through Monday, like you're out all night. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, so I, I think it's, yeah, yeah, vampirism, I've always said, is wasted on your 20s. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Next hypothetical. Which country or in a, in a global fist fight, which country or race wins? In a global fist fight, um, yeah. what's well, got to be so a, the entire planet gets in, it gets into a fist fight. What country or race of people wins? Well, doesn't the this has got to be one of those things where it's just like if you're talking just like this is a per capita thing. The country with the most population wins. I would have thought like China wins, regardless of TOEFOP or Reddit. Oh, that's right. I forgot that that was actually yeah. what it was. Uh, Reddit. TOEFOP. <laughs> We started, we tried to start a race war in episode 25. <laughs> like, we were the original alt-right group. Yeah. I was Take shocked that, when cucks. I read that. Imagine if that was the reveal in this 200th episode, that this has actually been a, like, sleeper alt-right podcast the entire time. It's like, it's, this is like the final uh, book in, you know, this is that Aslan is Jesus moment of this podcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Find out the type pop is an alt-right podcast. You get $50 million, but for the rest of your life, you'll always speak in riddles. Would you take the money? Oh, um, whew, that could be TOEFOP or Reddit. Um, we've had a bit of a TOEFOP run, so I'm going to go with Reddit again. But I, I think we could, we, we definitely could have talked about that, but I'm going to say it's a Reddit one. Correct. It was a Reddit one. 
So $50 million for the rest of your life, you'll always speak in riddles. Would you take the money? Yes, definitely. Without yeah. a fucking doubt. Yeah. Totally. And it wouldn't even be that inconvenient. I mean, the, podca- the, the, the podcast would be irritating to listen to, I imagine. But I have $50 million. I probably don't need to do the podcast anymore now that I'm making that, not making that sweet Mr. Coyer money anymore. Oh, well, here's what I would say to you, Charlie. If either of us win $50 yeah. million, let's cut each other off, you know, at least a couple of million so we don't have to do the podcast anymore. Like, in <laughs> compo. Because we'll be bothered yeah, okay. by the riddle thing. Uh, I would say this, that I, I don't think that's even that tough a question because if you've got $50 million, you can actually just put yourself in situations where you don't even have to really talk to people that much. Like, you know, you just get some, I just get some big, you know, house by the beach on the coast somewhere, like, you know, as much pot as I wanted. I'd have everything that I wanted. I'd have a TV and whatever. And like, most of, <laughs> most of the time I wouldn't. I love your, your dream scenario is a TV and pot. I mean... Probably get that now, Will. We don't need 50 million bucks. I know. That's why I'm so easily pleased, Charlie. I don't even have a TV at the moment. I'm halfway there and I still feel okay about that. But yeah, I don't think I'd ever talk again. I'd be like, yeah, I only talk in riddles, but I only talk once a week. I mean, the thing about it is it depends how good the riddles are because you might turn this into a side career that could earn you like another 50 million. If you where like, you know, Russell Brand is like very uh, eloquent in the way he talks. He virtually speaks in riddles. He, he speaks like he's like an elf or something like that. You could, if whatever mechanism in your brain is making you come up with these really clever riddles, then you're just going to start a whole second career as the riddle man. Yeah, it's a good point. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, but do I want to Although work? when they say, hang on, I'm, I'm confusing rhyming verse and riddles. Because riddles is always like a, a, a conundrum, right? It's like a, it's a, it's a teaser. Yeah, I you're get not, you. Maybe yeah, you're I, I would love though if, you talk to. No, I would love it was the opposite. If I thought I was speaking riddles, but I wasn't really. Like so my whole thing was like, riddle me this. Where's my car? No, that's not, that's not a riddle, <laughs> mate. That's just a question. <laughs> riddle me this. Do I want coffee or tea? No, again, not a riddle, mate. Not a riddle. Please stop talking. You're on a desert island. You can bring one inanimate object to masturbate with. What do you pick? Tofop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that was just my answer to the question. I bring the podcast Tofop. Right. <laughs> Episode 23. We still haven't got away from wanking. Yeah, no, that, that's, right, last that's one. right up our alley. Last one. You are forced to remove a major colour from everyone's eyesight or everyone else dies. What colour do you remove? I think that's probably a Reddit, but that, that's not a bad question. I like that one. Correct. It's a Reddit question. So let's, let's go into it. What colour do you remove? Well, I mean, is it the thing of the primary colours? Like, what is it? Red, blue, green, yellow. Do you just take one of those? Or is it like the whole spectrum of colours? You know, when you blend colours. Like, can pink, can fuchsia be taken from the... Can you take like a minor colour that you don't see very often? Like coral? Or does it have to be a red, blue, yellow, green? Here's what, I don't know if this fits the category or not, but, and maybe this is actually a really naive way to look at the world, but it feels to me that black skin has been the most prosecuted of people in the world, you know, over at least recent history. Mm -hmm. Those who have had darker skin tend to have been on the worst receiving end of the world. So perhaps if you could kind of remove that idea that people see, you know, dark skin as being dark skin, Maybe that would, it'd be interesting to see if that actually affected the way that people were treated or whether 
it's actually much more a broader societal thing that has nothing to do with the color of the skin, but something like that, or the or, or vice versa, the ability to see white skin, I guess, so that you know, so that people kind of looked more the same. Would that make people treat each other better? This sounds like some kind of inspirational music video. Like I found like some guy from. Uh, One Direction is doing his, he's gone solo, he's doing a ballad and that's the kind of theme of the music video right. is like no one sees like dark skin anymore. And like there's a little spoken word bit at the start where he quite sincerely yeah. goes, I dream of a world where nobody can see colour, when there's no such thing as colour and here's my new song, No Colour. <laughs> I should also add that if I don't remove the colour from the world, the rest of you will die. die. It's a little dark, I understand. Anyway, what I'm saying is I didn't want one race. Oh, what? What happened? What happened? <laughs> hey. Should we move on to some mailbag stuff? Oh, yeah. Nice one. We've we got heaps of mailbag stuff. We got Thank you to everyone who's writing in. Uh, as we said on the last episode of TOEFOP, if I don't read it out on the show, I'm trying to write a little response just so you know that it's not going into the ether because we want you guys, we want you guys to keep emailing in. But as stated, it's one response only. One, one, it's a one-line, one response, all right? We're not entering into any kind of correspondence beyond that. Send nudes. <laughs> Don't. Please do not. No, please do not. Don't. Okay, this is from Marius U... Oh, I'm going to say Usace. Or Usace? Usashi. It looks like... How do you pronounce the end of moustache? Ash. Usash. Marius Usash. The hardest part of anything we do with the mailbag or the Q&A videos is me trying to read people's names. Marius writes, Hey, fellows. First time caller, love the podcast. In one of the TOEFOP episodes released in the past year, Charlie starts a story about how he witnessed a lifeguard saving someone in one of his daily walks and swims. In classical TOEFOP style, the discussion moves from one subject to another and we don't get to hear what happened. For no particular reason, I've been thinking about that story for the past year. And it was even included in the highlights package that Michael put together in 199.5. Was that segment added as an explanation of, what's, uh, of what TOEFOP's really about? Was that just a troll for those curious about the story, i.e. me? Can we hear the full story? Now, I read this and I had no memory of that, that anecdote. <clears throat> and so, like an hour before we started recording this, I, I listened to the, the, the best of that Michael put together and I heard the story. And I still don't really remember, like, what, what happened. I mean... Here's, like, here's, my, here's my two possible scenarios. Yeah. Either I took a very minor incident and you know, put a little heat on it and thank God you took it somewhere else that was much more interesting and we just never went back there because I didn't really have that much to talk about. Or it was, it was, a, it was the guy died. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing that might have happened. And I've blacked it from my memory because it's so traumatic. Now, here's what I think happened. I remember, I, remember being, I remember seeing a rescue happen once. There was, a, there was a tourist who was in the middle of the water and he started panicking. And I think the reason I thought it was worth talking about is that the swimmers around him 
kind of all went to lend assistance because he was panicking and he's like grasping at people. And this one guy swam over to him and he literally tried to clamber up on top of this guy as if he was like a, you know, as if he was the door at the end of Titanic. He was trying to like stand up on this guy to get out of the water. But the lifeguards, they were watching all this happen and they were kind of having a bit of a chat. And one of them saw it happening and just turned to his mate and finished the conversation he was having and then like took off the shirt, threw the boy and jumped into the water. Like, I think this lifeguard was so experienced that he looked at how far the guy was away and has gone, I could do that swim in 11.4 seconds. So I've got time to finish my story to Gary here and then I'll get on with it. Yeah, he's one of those guys that like, you know, your first day at a new job, you, you know, you tend to like plan much more, you know, and get there 15 minutes earlier. And then the longer you've been at the job, the more you've been on the route, you know, you can leave it till that last, absolute last minute before you get there. That's, that's what he was like. He's like, I got, finish, I got time to finish this anecdote. Then I'll get out there and do some life-saving. Hang on, I'll put this smoke down and uh, finish this coffee and then I'll just get out there. Have you ever been uh, rescued by a lifesaver? Uh, never been rescued by a lifesaver. We were at, recently, Amy and I went to Bondi for a swim a couple of weeks ago and um, uh, we were swimming in, a, in an area which was outside the flags and there was a um, kind of a rip nearby. It wasn't quite where we were. We were actually just... Kind of, we were actually quite close to where the flags were, but just there was a whole bunch of people there, so we were like ten meters over, and um, mm. a, an old lifesaver. So not one of those guys that they you know goes out and rescues people, but one of those sort of like beach patrol, you know, supervisors type lifesavers. So he would have been a yeah. dude in his seventies, waved us in, like yeah. whistled us and waved us in, yeah. and and it was like one of those things when you were like, we weren't really doing anything, we were fine, but like. It's, you still feel like you're in trouble when a 70-year-old man with yeah. a whistle whistles you in? Well, when they use the bullhorn, it's so embarrassing. I was rescued when I was about 14, school holidays down the coast. And I remember there were these girls that I was so keen on and I was chatting to them and I went for a swim and I must have got caught in a rip because like, you know, within seconds I was taken right out the back. And I remember the lifeguard coming out on the paddleboard to, to come get me but me refusing it because I didn't want these girls to see me getting towed in. And this guy like picking me up by the scruff of the neck and like throwing me across the front of his board and paddling me back in. And then to compound the humiliation, he didn't just, we didn't just get into the shore and he let me get off the board. He grabbed me and put me on his shoulder and jogged up the beach with me on his shoulder. Like it was humiliating. Just take me back out and drown me, mate. My um, brother almost drowned when uh, he was, I reckon, about 18 months, two years old. Uh, we were at Sea Spray in country Victoria on holidays. And uh, so I reckon my little baby sister was probably, had been born at that stage. So I'm, so I'm guessing Ross is like 18 months, maybe two. Old enough to be walking by himself, but not, you know, in control of much. And mum had a little baby girl as well. And then so I was like, you know, it's three or four, probably four or four years old. This might even be my first memory, actually. Like if I really think about something I remember distinctly, this could this yeah. could actually be my first memory. And because I reckon I was about four and we're walking along the beach and a wave comes in and because Ross is just, you know, so small, he just gets sucked into the ocean with this wave. And mum's like got a little baby in her arms and sort of like a four-year-old there. And so suddenly he's just like this little kid, like out in the middle and this like, surfer just ran in from nowhere and jumped in and went and saved him and it was really like i mean it was so full-on that i remember it you know distinctly 40 years later remember it happening and what it felt like and how terrifying and quick it all felt like when it happened and this was just some 
rando surfer kid who you know was just you know saw what happened, happened and you know there. ran and helped but i guess like really my brother could have been in a lot of trouble there is a family photo of uh, that uh, we've got of mum i think it's in sorrento sorrento back beach or something and it's mum standing on the railing with all the kids so all nine of us um or maybe there's eight of us and like there's just kids everywhere and i'm looking at that going like, this is one of the most treacherous beaches on the peninsula. Like, and we went there all the time. My grandma had a house in Sorrento. Like, the fact that we all made it to be adults is a miracle. Oh, well, you haven't seen the a... old family photos that had 14 kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We never talk about that. <laughs> you but think you're the youngest, Charlie, but technically you're just blanking out four or five missing siblings. <laughs> there was a story years and years ago. Um, I remember it was a, um, a family... I think they lost something like four kids in one incident. They went to a similar story. They went to a Victorian surf beach. And as soon as they got in the water, they were just gone. The father went in to try and save them. He died as well. And I remember talking to mum about that. And she was just like, yeah, like when you've got that many kids and, you know, it's school holidays and the kids are screaming and you get to the car park and you open the boot and you're getting towels and the little kids are running straight down to the beach. Like... You're trying everything you can just to sort of keep an eye on them, but it would be so easy for that to happen, especially if it's like a freak wave that happened with your brother. Right, yeah, it was terrifying. But yeah, be safe out there, guys. Yeah, Australian tourism. (laughs) When you're done stealing our ideas, we've got a new campaign for you. (laughs) Australia, it'll probably kill you. Uh, I've got another email here from, let's just call him Wayne. I won't give his surname away and you'll see why. Hi, Will and Charlie. Up front the ass sucking. Thanks for all you guys contributing. Well, that's to because I have a bum sphere. on my forehead, so the ass sucking is always up front. <laughs> that's where you put the straw. <laughs> up front the ass sucking. Thanks for all you guys contribute to the entertainment sphere. New line. Fuck. New line. Oh, I'm really high at the moment, and I forgot this really great thing I wanted to share about now. Oh, fuck. Regards, Wayne. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Wayne. Well, let us know. If you remember what it was you wanted to share with us, uh, email back in. I mean, it says something about uh, what our podcast is about, that even the people who write into it get stoned and forget what they were talking about. <laughs> Gareth Dows, dear Charles and William, I would just like to let you, Charlie, know that like your parents, my wife and I have a dialogue room. Now, do you remember this? This is from an old episode as well. I do. This is when one of growing the great up, ideas. Yeah, my parents, uh, they had a, a dialogue room. It was part of their marriage counselling, I believe, is that they had a room that once a week they would go into and they would share their journals and they would discuss it, just a, a chance to check in with each other. So he says, my wife and I have a dialogue room. It does not occupy a particular room due to the fact that uh, the Sydney house prices do not afford that luxury. True. The dialogue room can be any place in which we have an open and honest discussion about issues, shower, kitchen, etc. But we have to declare it. So I like that. Yeah. You have to declare the space to be the dialogue room. Yeah, it's, this is not always a dialogue room, but any room can become a dialogue room if declared a dialogue room. Yeah, I mean, I want to know like how late into the argument you can call dialogue room. Like, can you call like dialogue, dialogue? No, no, this is a fight now. This is not a dialogue. This is a dressing down. Uh, we have a six-month-old six and we hope that one day he draws his house with a dialogue room included. Many thanks for the entertainment over the years and long may it continue, Gareth and Philippa. Well, thanks for that. That's sweet. 
I think with my parents' dialogue room, it was also there was a no kids policy. Like we had to leave them alone for the hour. So who knows? It was probably a dialogue sex room. Right, exactly. It was a dialogue dungeon. They said it, they said they were <laughs> reading their journals to each other, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's what you don't get from reading your journals to each other. Nine children. <laughs> <laughs> David Council. Hey, Will and Charlie. I've been thinking about your many discussions on when the machines take over. We always think it'll be like a robot. Uh, it'll be a robot like the Terminator when this happens. But what if it's not? What happens if it's a Japanese toilet or an electric toothbrush? What if it's already happened and Japanese toilets have already begun their evolution into Daleks? What other machines do you think might have, have achieved consciousness? I look forward to your thoughts and potential episodes of Quantum Cop versus the Japanese toilet Daleks. Write that down, Foz. That's a good one. I mean, imagine if we suddenly just discovered that Japanese people were disappearing. Like they were looking at the population mm. charts in Japan and they were just like, we can't really explain it, but our population just seems to be gradually going down and down. We just have all these... <laughs> unexplained missing persons and it turns out that the japanese toilets have been sucking japanese people like you know, <laughs> eating them eating them essentially destroying them <laughs> i think that i like the idea i mean of... if one bit of machinery was going to rise up against us it, it would have to be a toilet like they're the ones that oh, have yeah. been most so, punished was... by humanity you know <laughs> like yeah <laughs> that and dildos yeah. <laughs> they've got they've, they've got real gripes but I think I like the idea that it's something in common usage. I mean, I think where it's going to come from, I, I feel like with all this data collection and data harvesting, machines are just going to blackmail us. Yeah. They're going to blackmail us into non-existence. They've got so much information of us, like the amount of embarrassing info, the stuff that they've seen and heard. Like the human species will die due to shame more than anything. Yeah, I think it's like going Will to be Anderson less... Like Will Anderson without a Mr. Koya shirt, they're going to die from shame. I think that it's one of those things where... I absolutely agree that it's more your sort of artificial intelligence in regard to, you know, having all these machines in our homes that suck up our data and monitor our every move and make assumptions about what we're like as human beings based on that that'll be much more destructive to us and be that next, uh, you know, step in our evolution rather than it be kind of Terminator robots. But I guarantee you at some stage, Charlie, it will also come with Terminator robots. Well, there'll be, you'll need to, it's like... When you're scrubbing the dishes, you got to get the little, you got to get the scour out, the little hard to reach bits in the corner. Like you and I will be gone first. Like us soft beta males, easily wiped out. But there's like hardened, like militia type dudes who are hiding in the woods that they'll have to send the robot dogs in to go get. Boston Dynamics will have to send one of those weird door opening robots into the woods to get those guys. Absolutely, they will. And I do think that you know, if the the pro yeah, the one that's always speculated on in artificial intelligence is that if we just make artificial intelligence you know, smart enough, eventually they'll realize the biggest problem with this fucking planet is human beings and it all will just be logical to wipe us out. And we will be having a hard time making an argument against that because we are. Yeah. Like to every other species on the planet, we are nothing but fucking trouble. Like we're killing off yeah. other species that have been here forever every fucking day just because we're big dumb humans who like to exist and not think about anything else on the planet. So if there's mm. ever a more powerful life form than us, the first thing you would do on day fucking one is get rid of the humans. I had that feeling <clears throat> driving through West Hollywood the other day. I drove past a homeless uh, encampment, probably about like half a dozen people with tents and all their belongings. And then about a block later, I pulled up next to a photographic studio that was specifically for dogs. <laughs> it was a place you go with your dog 
to get a beautiful portrait to hang above your fireplace. Literally 20 meters down the road from a homeless encampment. It's like, I think we're fucked up somehow. <laughs> like, I think this is a problem when we're spending money on this and not that. Thank God you even still recognize that because we become so saturated by confusing good things and bad things together and giving them equal weight that I don't think we can even tell that that's weird anymore. But if like an alien life force came to Earth and judged us, like if, say for an example, an alien life force came to Earth and was like checking out Earth as a place to live and got like a mm. rental inspection, you know, got someone in to check out, like <laughs> knock the walls and the floors and stuff, yeah. their number one thing would be, exterminate all the humans and then you can this will be a real nice joint to live what did neil degrasse tyson say on earth day it was something along the lines of people are talking about oh save the planet he's like no 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 don't worry the planet will be fine it's us that will die <laughs> that is the problem we're destroying like the life support mechanism for the for the species on the planet yeah we're the fleas on the back of the dog we're not the dog yeah yeah <laughs> And that dog can have a lovely portrait taken of it at the studio in West Hollywood. <laughs> well, that's what I'd say to the aliens or the AI. Keep the dogs. Dogs are great, yeah. right? Wipe out the yeah. humans. Keep the dogs. Keep that one dog portrait studio so you can take pictures of your dogs and wipe out all the other humans. Or enlist the animals. Like, imagine if they could get, like, horses together and say, hey, you realise you're much bigger and stronger than these, these little guys who keep jumping on your backs and hitting with your whips? Like, you'll crush them. Next time they try and do it, just hit them with a hoof in the face. You'll be surprised how quickly they'll go down. Like, that's what the aliens should do. Just go talk to all the animals and say, you guys are much stronger and ferocious than these little pink things. Like, just go out there and wipe them all out. Now, the dogs can be like the, the little fingers, the, like the little double agents that we think are our friends, but they're actually sharing information with the, with the animals. It's a gritty reboot of Dr. Doolittle. It's about a guy who talks to the animals, but he's actually on the side of the animals, to totally encouraging them to take out human beings. Wipe us out, all of us. Nicholas Radford. Hey, Tofop. For years, Channel 7 has been giving Australia unnecessary and meaningless miniseries. I mean, who really wants to see a miniseries about Molly Meldrum, Paul Hogan, or Olivia Newton-John? Now is the chance for the ABC to really step up their game and make a high-action sci-fi miniseries about... Will Anderson. Oh, yeah. Not a miniseries about Will Anderson's successful com comedy career, no. A miniseries about Will's back issues that have been affecting him in the recent years. Series pitch. The year is 2030, and Will Anderson's back condition is worse than ever before. Oh, thanks. Look, Great. Like, hats off to you to thinking Will's going to make it to 2030 for a start. <laughs> if my back hurts for the next 20, what, sorry, 12 years. No. Eight, 12 years. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Will has moved back onto Anderson Road and oh Hayfield gosh. to carry out a career of farming as it's too hard to be a stand-up comedian. Hang on. There's a huge logic flaw here. Like going back and working on a farm is somehow easier than doing stand-up comedy? Farming is not easier than stand-up comedy. The only way this is possible is marijuana has been legalised in Australia and I've convinced Dad and Ross to turn the dairy farm into a combination dairy-weed farm and they're taking care of the most of the farming stuff and I've just moved back to kind of, you know, test the produce. Yeah, well, we don't, we don't need to do a backburn again today. No, no, it's all right. I got it. It's just... It's like a hectare of weed. They're just straight under a cow. Instead of being a stand-up comedian, Will would rather be a sit-down farmer. But, one, uh, but late one night, as Will is sitting out on his porch, a silver DeLorean bursts out in a fire of nowhere into the field of grass in front of him, hitting his neighbour, George Miller, and flinging him 30 George Miller's forward. moved to the farm. As well, let's give you a hand. 
Will is worried that the vehicle could be the cops and that they're after him again. Jeez, <laughs> oh, imagine that in 12 years time, you're still fucking like, still milking that bloody arrest story. <laughs> the man who seems to be wearing a sweaty tank top and smoking a cigar steps out of the, of the uh, step, a cigar stepped out of the car. This man is Quantum Cop, Jake Jack Tripper. Will calls his producer and now personal carer, Mike Hal. <laughs> I love this poor Mike Hal. Like Mike Hal was there for the AI uprising, and like while the machines are taking over, he's been sent to personally care for you. It's just like if there was robot suicide, he would have done it. Please unplug me. Will calls his producer and now personal carer, Mike Hal, to help get him up. Quantum Cop tells Will that if he does not come with Quantum Cop... (laughs) Sorry, I didn't write this. I'm just reading as written. Quantum Cop tells Will if he does not come with Quantum Cop, (laughs) there will be no way to fix his back problem. Will decides that he is sick of milking the cows all day, so decides to go with him. Okay, firstly, you don't milk the cows all day. You just milk them in the morning. You milk them again in the afternoon. (laughs) They don't need constant milking. (laughs) They get in the car, but Will feels someone tap his shoulder. Charlie, what the fuck are you doing here? Said Will. Charlie responds, we haven't recorded TOEFOP this week and the Patreon donators are mad. <laughs> Charlie explains, oh my God, if we're still relying on Patreon in 2030, Jesus. Quantum Cop then explains that Will needs to travel to the future to find out how he can fix his back problem so he can stand up again. Will needs to save stand-up comedy because without him, it is dead, no pressure. Titles, back to the future. That is, uh, that is in back like spine, the end. <laughs> So now look, that would be a terrible TV show, Charlie. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, but here's what would be an awesome TV show, if because here's the thing, the char- I've had the my I've been lucky enough that my show Gruen has been the most successful ABC entertainment program of the last decade. So at the ABC in Australia, I probably have some like if I went in and pitched a new show. I would get a meeting and they'd probably be open to, you know, like going, oh, well, you know, this is a guy who's worked yeah, for our company for a long time and, you know, he's been good for us. So, you know, we probably, they'd probably try to endeavor to at least treat the pitch seriously. So how much fun would it be if we went in and pitched them that? Like it was, like, I've, I've finally got an idea to follow up on Gruen. <laughs> Hear me out. And then we pitched that seriously, dead seriously. and not- Back. Back to the future. You get it? Back. Even though his hips are probably the more chronic problem, right. back to the future. <laughs> I reckon we should do it. So you want George Miller to make a cameo and die in the first episode? Yeah. Yeah. George Miller or George George Miller or George M. Miller, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Our last email is from Lynn Thomas. I saved the best for last, I believe. So I'm an idiot, or I don't understand email all that well. This is my third attempt at sending an email to you guys. By the way, if you would like to uh, send uh, an email to us to talk about your favorite episode, get clarity over something we've discussed, you can send your correspondence to emailtofop at gmail.com. Well That's done, emailtofop at gmail.com. <laughs> Took me fucking a month to work out how to say that. So you send your email to correspondence at... To- at- no! No! Uh- <laughs> 
this is my third attempt at sending an email to you guys. My first try, I messed up with the email address. Instead of .com, I wrote .com. Yay. <laughs> I then resent the email, this time without the E at the end. And it wasn't until I was listening to one of the newer episodes that I realized that I didn't put Hey Tofop in the subject line, so it got lost, which is true. Uh, if you want to send your correspondence into emailtofop at gmail.com, put hey, hey Tofop in the subject line. If I mess this one up, I might just walk into the ocean, which will be hard since the ocean is pretty far away from where I live and it's cold. Anyway, my reason for emailing is that I have a topic that I think you guys might find interesting. That is Lincoln's ghost, Abraham Lincoln's ghost. Not, uh, I can't think of one other famous Lincoln. Not, not Lincoln about. Lewis from uh, Home and Away? Uh, Home and Away. <laughs> Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead? Um, is that the actor's name? Lincoln, Lincoln Park? Park? <laughs> Too soon, mate. Too soon. Lincoln's ghost. Rips. I know what you might think. A ghost of the 16th president of the United States. That's pretty silly. That's because it is. Though it does start off kind of sad with ghost Lincoln first showing up in a picture of his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, after his death. Now, at this point, you might either be reaching for the closest Ouija board to get your next guest or some holy water. Why Will has holy water, I don't know. But fear not for the photo is an 1800s version of Photoshop. Okay, so clearly someone in the 1800s like Photoshopped a bit of a, a Lincoln ghost into a Mary Todd Lincoln photograph. Yep. But this is not the only evidence of Honest Abe's ghost. During World War II, while staying at the White House, Winston Churchill is said to have seen Lincoln's ghost. Lincoln, now, Winston Churchill was also like a famed alcoholic, right? Glug, 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 glug. After having gotten out of a bath and wearing, uh, an, uh, and only with a cigar, he walked into a adjoining room to find Lincoln's ghost next to the fireplace. Um, the ghost was obviously, I don't know what this means. The ghost was, I can only imagine, was whiter than normal. Why whiter than normal? God, because he's naked? Because... Was that Churchill's naked? I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't not following that either. Uh, Churchill, uh, probably regretting drinking all that scotch, tapped the ash of his cigar and said, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. And Lincoln smiled and faded away. Now, I don't know where these facts are coming from. This is just a story about uh, Winston Churchill being an alcoholic. That's, that's not a story about Lincoln's ghost. That's just a story about the visions that old drunky McDrunk, who was in charge of the war, was, was making because he loved drinking booze and smoking cigars in the bath. This wasn't the only time Churchill was walked in on by a president, as FDR did so, to which Churchill replied, the Prime Minister of Great Britain has nothing to hide from the President of the United States, to which I imagine FDR said, please put on some pants. Also, I love it. It feels like that... Winston Churchill likes this. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, feels yeah, totally. like he's constantly yeah, yeah. lingering around in a bath with the door not quite shut because it's like Churchill gets off on it. Winston Churchill is that hotel guest who you don't want to take room service to. Right. Because you know when you open the door, he's just had a shower. Oh, my towel fell off. <laughs> Wilhelmina of the Netherlands in 1942 is said to have heard footsteps and a knock on her bedroom door. And when she answered, she found Lincoln standing in front of her. She then fainted. So little pervy uh, Abraham Lincoln has gone around knocking on people's doors. One of Eleanor Roosevelt's secretaries is said to have seen Lincoln putting on his boots while in the Lincoln bedroom. She ran out screaming, while others have claimed to have seen him in a bed in the Lincoln bedroom which was his meeting room while he was alive. Harry Truman's daughter even heard a knocking while in the bedroom. Now, amongst all of that, why does a ghost need to put on boots? 
<laughs> I mean, I guess that's the question. Like, I mean, well, they're ghost boots. They're not actual boots. Like, it's not like he's like a ghost and then there's just a pair of actual boots clomping around. He's putting on his ghost boots, which I guess he's taken off to change his ghost socks. Does he have a range of ghost socks or does he just have the socks he dies in? How does that work for ghosts? Do you have like a, is there a ghost wardrobe somewhere where you can change into different, because ghosts in some things change outfits, right? They're not always in the thing they yeah. died in or whatever. Uh, Are they? No, I think, I, think, I think you're always caught in, my understanding of ghosts is like whatever you were last wearing. But the, you di- your clothes right? didn't die. Like it makes no sense, no. Charlie. Why are you wearing your clothes? From your real life, surely your ghost should just because be your corpse. Because it makes more sense in talking about something that makes no sense. It would make more sense that the last thing you're wearing is what your ghost is wearing, as opposed to your ghost having a selection of wardrobe. Yeah, but I'm saying that, like, like, if ghosts are real, which they're probably not, but yeah. who knows? Like, I, I don't know everything about the world. But if ghosts were real, right? Surely they just would rock up naked, right? Because, like, you can't have ghost clothes. There's no such thing as ghost clothes. Maybe there is some sort of other dimension to where our, you know, souls or whatever you, like, you know, describe that part of who we are as human beings go to, right? But but clothes don't have that, do they? Are we murdering clothes? When you throw out clothes, are you murdering your clothes? (laughs) Are there a lot of... Can I be haunted by, like, a pair of old pants I had that I threw out? That's a good point. You don't just see like clothes floating around the place. No. You're always on someone. So imagine that if you were just well, like, I was haunted by this ghost singlet I got in Bali. It was a Bintang singlet. <laughs> she finishes up. Lincoln is not just haunting the White House. It's said that he also haunts the house of a woman who was in the audience that fateful night at Ford's Theatre. I mean... That's unfortunate. Like, why is she getting it? Why is she? Maybe she was the one. It's like when you do a gig, right? And there's that one person in the front row who's not laughing. Like, if you died on stage, had a heart attack on stage, would you choose to haunt that one woman? Like, would that be her curse for not laughing? No, I don't want to spend that much time around somebody who doesn't like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Matt, Matt, that, but that's it. But you spend eternity trying to make her laugh and she just will never give it to you. You're just writing more and more material in the afterworld, trying to get a laugh out of this bitch. Like, I'm knocking on the door, but I'm really just trying to do a knock-knock joke. Amy did tell me, because Amy believes in ghosts and I don't believe in ghosts. Yeah. And um, it annoys her that I don't believe in ghosts. And so she has pledged to me on more than one occasion when, if she dies before I die, that she's going to come back and haunt me just to prove the point that ghosts are real. Yeah, Gemma and I have that discussion about how will, how will I know it's you? Like, what, what will be the thing? And it generally has to do with my humiliation. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, that's you, Gemma. Great. It said the train that carried Lincoln's body back to his home is ha- haunts the tracks. I mean, it sounds like his ghost is very busy. He's, this, this ghost of Lincoln is busier than you are right now. He's doing all these dates all across America. Well, this... Oh, okay, so okay. Michael's just put up a photo of Mary Todd Lincoln that apparently has the ghost of Abe in the background. You're looking at the same thing I am, right? Can you see a ghost in that photo? Hang on. Um, yes. Yeah, I can see. Yeah. Above her Where? left shoulder, left, there left it's right. like white shape. Oh, it's his hand. No, you That's can see hand. he's got his like his head's right isn't up that, the top there, above her head. No, but isn't that isn't that his hand on her, on left her shoulder? shoulder? Yeah, it's like he's behind yeah. her, like t- on both sides. You can see his hands. It's like he's got his hands on both no. of her shoulders, like he's about to choke her. <laughs> the last reported sighting of Lincoln's ghost was in the 1980s, sitting a chair in a chair at the top staircase of the White House. 
Couldn't find anything to say. Uh, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't this, but it may be the same chair that Thomas Jefferson is said to play his violin on. Wow, there's all that. I didn't realize there's all these presidents just like haunting the White House. Congratulations on your 200 episodes, and here's hoping for 200 more. Best of luck to you guys. Your fan from the States, Lynn. P.S. Do you think the next Ghostbusters reboot should be about Churchill, FDR, and Eleanor trying to appease spirits in the White House? I mean, it'd be great if they made a political Ghostbusters. I like that. Yeah. And the West Wing. The West Wing with ghosts. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin's writing the next Ghostbusters. <laughs> Oh, stay away from that. We know what happens. Poison chalice. Okay, that was episode 200. Hopefully we've delivered the same standard of entertainment that you've uh, enjoyed for the previous 199.5 episodes. Uh, hopefully we've delivered the same standard of entertainment that you've put up with and stuck with for the last 199.5 episodes. I mean, we must be one of the slowest podcast to get to 200 right i mean what was the date of the first one that we put up we've talked about this before but i always forget do we know remember uh, i think it was like the year was 2010 i think it was like may 2010 may 2010 was the first one that we ever put up yeah so it's been almost uh eight years well yeah eight, eight years eight years <laughs> eight years to do 200 <laughs> fucking episodes like, that's not great so it's a tw that's 25 episodes a year. Yeah. Well, that's not bad. That's six months of entertainment a year. Yeah, it's one every two weeks, I suppose. For Well, but I mean, we had a break, you, But haven't you... We went away yeah, and, and you, we came back. But you've you know done what like we're 500 like? episodes of Fofo. We're like the Pixies. Yeah, the first ones yeah. were like really kind of like, you know, lo-fi. You know, there was a run and then we broke up terribly. And then we reformed and everyone thought, oh, well, they'll probably only reform for a while, but we've just been grinding this shit into the ground <laughs> and we'll do forever. If you'd like to support us grinding comedy into the ground, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. Uh, you can join in the discussion on our Facebook page, or you can go to the TOEFOP fan group, The Tea Room, which is also on face Facebook. So T is just the letter T. Um, what else do we need to promote? Um, I have some more shows yeah. coming up. Uh, Canberra oh. and then Sydney for my Legal tour. I just did Perth. Oh, I've got to say to everyone who came out in Perth, thank you so much. Um, really brilliantly fun shows. And yeah, so I've still got Canberra and Sydney. This is my favourite show ever. So uh, come out and see me. That'd be good. And I think actually Hamo might be with me on the Canberra and Sydney shows. So you get to see not only my show, but Justin Hamilton as well, which is fun. We should also mention, um, uh, you heard at the start of the show, uh, Claire from Planet Broadcasting talking about the campaign we're doing with Care Australia. Um, so we are discussing what we want to do um, as part of our bonus content. So what we're thinking, and we can't give any like, definite dates yet because we still don't know how it all works, but we think what we'd like to do is a, a live stream, either on YouTube or Facebook. So a, a live stream where people can either... Um, uh, like a message in with questions or even like join in the call. Maybe we do a mix of both. Mike Hal will work it out with Claire. But if you go to um, the Planet Broadcasting page, you can donate any amount and we're going to prioritise those who donate to Care Australia. They'll, we'll prioritise them for that, for that live stream show. Yeah, so if you've got a question you want to ask, donate, you know, donate a couple of bucks to Care Australia and, uh, you know, we'll definitely try to answer your question on that episode as well. Um, and oh, I, I should mention that we have a bunch of other podcasts as well under the TOEFOP. So we have uh, Two mm. Guys, One Cup, which is our AFL podcast. Yep. I've had a few people say to me, um, I don't really follow the AFL, but I'd like to listen to the podcast. Uh, is that the sort of thing I could do? We have heaps of listeners who don't follow AFL who listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for an episode to dive in on, I think last week's episode's probably as good as any because neither of us had really watched any of the football. So you don't need to really know a lot about football to understand that episode, I'd imagine. So maybe that one's a good one to yeah. sample if you want to have a listen. It's, 
It's like, uh, you know, and sometimes in the paper, someone will write a think piece about football. Ours is like a non-think piece about football. Essentially, the, the latest episode of that is just a classic episode of TOEFOP that we did on our football podcast. <laughs> Uh, is that it? Is there anything else to plug? Um, no, I think that... Oh, so my philosophy podcast has had a range of really fun guests oh, yeah. recently. Um, Hamish Blake was the most recent episode. And uh, this week, um, uh, James Keogh, who many people will know as the singer uh, Vance Joy, is on the podcast. And he's absolutely fantastic. And that's a really good listen. Vance Joy is about to play shows in LA. They're plugging him everywhere, all over the place. It's awesome. Mate, he is absolutely massive. And he's one of the... He's a really fucking lovely guy. I really enjoyed sitting down with him and uh, having a chat with him for the podcast. So, um, yeah, no, he's unreal. Did he play the little ukulele as you talk? Yeah, I mean, he does it at all times. It's contractually obliged <laughs> that he plays a little ukulele ukulele at all times. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>